Welcome, everybody, to episode 10 of Fretz's Fay 5. Wait a minute. 10? <gasps> that means... Oh, you know I couldn't resist putting this in. 10! That is right, my friends. Welcome to episode 10. Um, this is not a perfect 10. I would call this an imperfect uh, three and a half, and that is not just the size. I'm, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> so, folks, this is Mr. Fretz at the Legendary JF. Uh, instead of going through my top five moments throughout the week of wrestling, I've been, of course, being rather thematic with it. And today, well, this one's interesting because I'm going with my fave five missed booking opportunities. Now, what does this mean? Well, it means that these were some of my favorite all-time storylines. Uh, on paper, all of these five okay, were okay. They could have been delivered better. There could have been this. There could have been that. I'm not going to delve too deep into how I would rebook all of these because each and every one of these are going to be or have been episodes in and of themselves. Now these storylines are ones that many people from myself to um, Nate and uh, what culture have done in the past. So no I'm not starting off with Ty Dillinger in WWE, although I would have given him an Intercontinental and or US title run. That's as far as I can go. <laughs> uh, I just put this in because it's episode 10 and because uh, Kings of the Rings used to have this in during their Tip of the Crown, which I named, you're welcome. So starting off here with number, starting off here with number five, this one already hurts. This entrance theme, uh, We Are One by 12 Stones, used to give me goosebumps. I mean, I have them right now, listening to this and recording this theme. The Nexus. Now, of course, we know that this is, stems from the original NXT, which used to be some kind of reality game show-esque kind of thing with... FCW Talent. Now, the first uh, iteration of NXT and Nexus had Wade Barrett, Daniel Bryan, Darren Young, Skip Sheffield, aka Ryback, Michael Tarver, Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, and David Otunga. Now, of course, we know John Cena later, quote unquote, joined the Nexus as part of this fired thing, and then just the group fizzled and John Cena basically ended them. Now Daniel Bryan, we, we all know that he kind of ended before he began because he choked Justin Roberts with a tie and got released and then brought back. Uh, this was my favorite thing in wrestling for a long time. Like 2010, this should have been the most dominant faction the most dominant force in wrestling in the year of 2010. 
Like, this should have been NWO on steroids, although NWO were all on steroids. <laughs> Anyways, this should have been what overtook the WWE. The Nexus should have ran the show. They should have had, like, you know, instead of, say, WrestleMania, like, Nexelmania, or a better name than that, because that was absolutely effing terrible. Wade Barrett should have had a WWE title run. And if you want me to fantasy book this in, like, a minute... Okay, no new Nexus. So that means no Joe Henning, no Bo Rotunda, no Mason Ryan, uh, no CM Punk. I mean, this was doomed. SummerSlam 2010 should have been, like, Annex Nexus clean sweeps. Like, for the first bit of the summer, as I said, I would get goosebumps, and I wouldn't be afraid, but I would never feel the way I haven't felt the same way about that, fa about a faction coming out on TV and being like, <sighs> since the NWO. I mean, they 450'd, splashed, and attacked Vince McMahon. They took apart the ring. They decimated Ricky Steamboat, who, like, basically couldn't take any bumps for the rest of time. They helped Kane bury The Undertaker. And speaking of The Undertaker, that's going to be something a bit later on, and Kane's going to be involved in this somehow. Somehow. As I said, Nexus should have just had all the titles and just ran roughshod over the WWE for a while. And I think at some point, the person to end the Nexus eventually should have been John Cena. Would have been like, John Cena wins the 2011 Royal Rumble and beats Wade Barrett for the title at whatever WrestleMania 2011 was. 27? Yeah, that would have been better than the fucking Miz main eventing. I mean, this was my favorite, th as I said, it was my favorite thing in wrestling in 2010. I wish it could have been better. It should have been better. Uh, they should have went over in everything. And now, getting into number four. The Undertaker streak. I wouldn't book it. Bye. Nope. Come on. Okay, I'm sitting down. Gosh. The Undertaker's streak. I wouldn't book it. But Fretz, why are you talking about it? Well, here's the thing. For shock factor. For... Game-changing moments, for a lack of better term. I'm on the Game Changer podcast. I'm allowed to say that. Um... For, I guess, helping establish or re-establish a star because, let's face it, Brock Lesnar was in the WWE for not even two years. And while he had a decent run at the top, he didn't have a monumental run. Like, this, this run that Brock's been on since 2012, although on and off, sporadic, part-time... It's been memorable. And one of the things that helped establish him and really put him over was breaking the streak. But 
this this is my Undertaker like markdom showing because Taker's like what my third favorite wrestler of all time. I would let him retire with a streak. However, in my mind, there's only one man who should have ever broken the streak. And that is Kane. Let me elaborate. If I can give you a quick fantasy booking because I'm actually going to do an episode on this someday. This ties into when the Nexus, uh, the Nexus and Kane buried the Undertaker at Survivor Series 2010. What I would do is, of course, you know, that would happen. Taker would be buried by Wade Barrett. Kane would help out. And then the, this would be like the big blow off for, for the Nexus, for Wade Barrett. This was, this would, uh, let's see, was Taker the, hypothetically, let's say that Taker is the champion at this point in time. Wade Barrett is the man that beats him for it in that Buried Alive match. Uh, although it was between Kane, this is my fantasy, and Kane and Taker, this is my fantasy booking. So, throughout the coming weeks and months, uh, bald, you know, bald, scary looking Kane is starting to get all these mind games played with. Like he goes into it, he goes into his locker room and it's dark and all you see is this light coming from you know like the, the top like one light bulb and it's shining down on the cane mask and then Kane starts seeing the cane mask everywhere he would like put it on and he would you know of course he would see nothing but fire. Uh, you know, the same fire that burnt his, him and Undertaker's family. Uh, this is the full circle moment. I'm, and Taker would, you know, kind of start playing mind games and gong and smoke and lightning and, and fire. And, you know, like if you will never bury me, Kane. And just kind of doing the whole booking about if you want to end me, you have to go go back to your roots basically and of course you know bald cane he, he would wear the mask i think that mask at least the original incarnation of it not the friggin triangly looking one where his whole face is showing it would look badass bald because now that we in hindsight in 2010 we knew that the mask had a wig on it it would look badass with bald cane and with like his freaky eyes and stuff and Paul Bearer would be involved in this and it was, you know Bearer was still alive in 2010 2011 and Paul Bearer who basically started with the Undertaker would help Kane and the Undertaker kind of as the original story intended because Kane came back, you know, Kane's alive, Undertaker! Uh, you're a murderer, Undertaker! And you're going back to the drawing board, but Kane does what he's set out to do. And this is going to make me sound absolutely loony, but after that, Kane, Barry, and Taker, we never see him again i know it means we don't get 
Taker versus Punk. We don't get Taker versus Brock. We don't get Wyatt, Reigns, Cena. Uh, who, who the heck did he face this year? AJ Styles. Uh, we don't get... I know it sucks we don't get any of that. But if I could really, really twist with the fantasy booking, Kane is the only person I'd have break the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. That or not at all. Taker would still be on it today. He would be what, 27 and gosh, I don't I don't know what his streak would be at this point in time. So number three. Oh, oh my kill switch. In the immortal words of Christian Markle from the WWE Sims video. Big shout out to Markle, man. I hope that you are doing well, my friend. Oh, the summer of punk. Oh, this this one touched a nerve. This one. Let me get it. Let me get a sip of beer ready. I'm sorry, punk. I'm not straight edge. So, in 2011, of course we all know that CM Punk cut, cut that infamous and amazing you know, pipe bomb promo. He kind of broke the fourth wall a little bit. Well, literally, hi Colt Cabana. Um, he... Uh, it's a game-changing moment, and I, I can't really grasp the magnitude of this. I mean, we've seen your your worksheet promos in the past with, you know, Hogan and Russo and WCW and actually a lot of bullcrap with Russo and WCW and the NWO and Hogan. It's like, you know, that, that's where the company's in the shape that it was a bullshit like this, Russo. After he lays down for Jeff Jarrett for some godly reason. So CM Punk was in contract limbo. I think this was literal. Uh, the Night of Money in the Bank 2011. That's going to be a show that you and I, Nate, are going to review. Maybe do a watch along of the entire show. I'd like to do that. <laughs> so, Punk wins the WWE title at Money in the Bank. Kisses Vince goodbye. Walks up the ramp of the Allstate Arena. Gets in an Uber. Goes to his house, puts the, goes in to get a bottle of water. You know, puts his title on the fridge. An infamous tweet, you know, when Twitter was just starting to come out or just starting to gain prominence. I think it'd been out for a while at this point. And what happens at the Summer of Punk? He loses the title at SummerSlam to a Alberto Del Rio cash-in, thanks to Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. Of all people, Diesel, inter I thought you were dead, uh, interferes in Jackknife's punk. And where does that storyline go? Nowhere. What's the summer of punk? This was more like the autumn or harvest season or almost the winter of punk. Because he didn't get his title back until Survivor Series. 2011 against you know Alberto Del Rio and with that infamous bit with the late great Howard Finkel rest in peace Fink uh, introducing Punk 
because, well, why wouldn't you have the Fink come and introduce you? Uh, I would have loved to hear that. But hey, Lillian Garcia did a coming down the aisle, one for my birthday. Thanks, Nate. You're the man, buddy. So if I could rebook this, well, I'll simply state that I would not have Punk lose the WWE title. I would not have Punk lower himself to feud with Kevin Nash. I'd put in Triple H. I mean, him and Triple H were button heads on TV, and they had a terrible pay-per-view match where, you know, Triple H won clean as a whistle, like, immediately. Didn't give Punk any offense. So, okay. Del Rio, uh, he cashes in on SmackDown instead. Who was the champion? But Mark Henry. Oh, no. I don't, wait, no, that's with two money in the bank cash-ins. I wouldn't have Del Bio cash-in until WrestleMania, maybe. Or the Royal Rumble. Something like that. But not not at SummerSlam. Not with freaking Nash. But although this Survivor Series thing is also where he um, started his historic title reign, I don't know where I'd go with this. Honestly. I mean, I, I could see Del Rio having a cash-in, but, oh, he's unsuccessful. There it is. He's unsuccessful, and then next... No, wait, no, was it that year he won the Rumble? Whatever. He won the Rumble in 2011. He lost to Edge, and then he wins money in the bank, and then he loses again. You know, Del Rio is this will become this perennial loser. Although I see him eventually getting his day later, maybe on SmackDown, like he actually did after with, you know, over the big show in that one match. So Punk begins his historic title reign at Money in the Bank. And I can see him lasting longer than however many days it was until The Rock beat him, except in my fantasy booking, The Rock does not beat him. Maybe at that following WrestleMania, uh, Cena gets his win back, and Punk has the title for 578-whatever you know, days. <laughs> or more than that, it would be more like 600. And, yeah. This one really infuriated, infuriated me because I, I was a huge CM Punk fan uh, at this point in time. I was loving his main event run. I was kind of pissed. He kept on getting short end of the stick he kept on not getting his shot i mean yeah he was a two-time world heavyweight champion by by 2011 but what were his reigns his first reign he okay he beat what edge cashed in on edge on monday night raw awesome he had a lackluster feud with jbl and then didn't even lose his title he got attacked by randy orton and then the title was vacated for the scramble, which got Jericho the world title. Why not just drop it to Jericho in the scramble match? Okay, his second run. Yeah, okay, he had a great run his second time around. I mean, he he feuded with Jeff Hardy over the whole summer, and then he dropped the title to Taker. I mean, of all people, don't. Don't be mad about Taker taking the title off him, especially since if, you know, you went back to my Breaking the Streak uh, fantasy book uh, 
quick preview here earlier with Kane, won't be bad. Won't be so bad. So, Summer of Punk, I would say he would actually have a Summer of Punk where he would, you know, cut promos. He would get his shot. He would beat everybody. He wouldn't touch... Kevin Nash wouldn't touch the WWE in 2011 in my fantasy book. Maybe that shock entrance in the Royal Rumble, that's it. <sighs> oh man, we're get we're really getting into it here now. Number 2. Who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin? Was it Chef of Sabah Baby, the 1989 Denver Broncos, Cartman's mom, Cartman's dad who's also her, who's also their mom? No! It's Rikishi! And Triple H! For some stupid reason! <sighs> yeah, so longtime readers of my blog and listeners of the Fretzelmania podcast know that this is something that for me has been done to death. Who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin? One of the seemingly at the time best wrestling whodunits. You know, we've seen so many of those over the years. Who raised the briefcase at King of the Ring 99? Who threw the pie at Kevin Owens? Uh, who was behind GTV? And many of these were left unanswered unless, well, well, you know, we know who threw the pie at Kevin Owens. It was the cameraman or Vince McMahon or something. So this was the one that really captivated an audience. And the only other whodunit I've seen in TV, well, there's many in TV, I mean, who shot JR? Who is Eric Cartman's mom, as I alluded to in the beginning part of this? This had so much potential to help establish somebody. Uh, I, I, I firmly think well, I not think, I just, I fantasy booked this. If, if anyone listened to my Owen Hart episodes from last year, please go through my Fretzelmania archives, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania, on Anchor.fm or Google Play or Apple or Spotify, wherever. Uh, look up my Owen Hart episodes. They're among, they are among my most played. And in one of them, I fantasy booked if Owen Hart didn't die. And in that one, I had Owen Hart as the culprit, kind of, you know, in a way, finishing the job that he started at 1997 SummerSlam, kind of really twisting the knife, if you will. You know, and in my actual fantasy booking one, I I pen pegged Kurt Angle as, as the culprit because, you know, no one would have suspected him. Kurt Angle was making his debut, and what better way to make an impact and take out the top guy in the company? Now, this had potential, but it ended up being such a convoluted mess. Okay, first it was Rikishi. Yeah, whatever. Kish played a heel in the past. He was the Sultan. He was the Head Shrinkers. But to go from a dancing... Uh fun guy to heal Rikishi while still wearing the thong and still doing the stink face 
and just being so convoluted about I did it for The Rock, well, why? I mean, The Rock didn't even win the title at Survivor Series, so if anything, you did it for The Big Show, and The Big Show would have been another culprit, but it would have been too obvious. I mean, people thought at the time, I thought at the time it was Billy Gunn, because he was the only guy who wasn't on the scene when, you know, the paramedics came in. This was a mess. And then it ended up being orchestrated by Triple H. And then, oh, by the way, oh, it was actually Triple H. And, okay, now Austin's going to get his revenge match. Three stages of hell and Triple H won. This really, really pissed me off. I mean, yeah, sure, Austin got his kind of comeuppance on Triple H at survivor series 2000 with that crane drop uh that's when we we kind of knew that triple h was more of an accomplice oh and after the fact he started teaming with him how much sense does that make oh i'm a heel now so i'm going to go join the guy who tried to murder me but uh, I can go on and on and on and on, but you've heard me talk about this to death. As I said, please go back to my Fretzelmania archives. I think I even did like a 20-bell salute version of the the rebooking of the Rikishi one and the rebooking with If Owen Hart Was Alive. Uh, check them out. Please, 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 please. Please do. And let me know what you think. And number one, my favorite actually not missed booking opportunity i mean it's obvious but here it is oh the wcw invasion now I'm going to say this. I don't hate the invasion angle. What I... Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. I hate the execution of it. The fact that you had to involve McMahon's. Okay, Shane buying WCW was awesome. I mean, yeah. It only added fuel to the fire for their WrestleMania X7 match. And if you listened to my How I Would Have Rebooked WrestleMania X7 episode, yes, I actually did that. I didn't change that much, to be honest with you, except for this match was one of them, where allegedly WCW wrestlers were going to get involved, and one person opened their mouth and blabbed on at a radio show and gotten shit. And McMahon's like, oh, you're in a skybox. Work off with you. I almost said the other word, but I've already swore a couple times in this show. I'm trying to do it less. Trying, not succeeding, you know. Gotta be a good Christian. <laughs> Although I've heard good Christians cuss from the pulpit. Anyways. What, what I would avoid in this storyline are basically two things. One, the rest of the McMahons. And two, 
ECW. Because initially, this was about the WCW invasion because, you know, I now own WCW and the fates, the very fates of WCW is in my hands. Except when Shane came in and Van terminated you right out of it. Out of your hands. Now, this became nothing more than a giant cluster F. Sure, you had the heel turn of Steve Austin, which, no. I mean, yeah, okay, okay, okay. If, if I really wanted to dig into this, I would go like this, just briefly, because it's already going on be half an hour, and you're all sick of me by now. Don't turn Steve heel at WrestleMania X7. Don't involve Vince McMahon. If you want to turn fully, Steve fully, save that for the Invasion pay-per-view. Where Steve, you know, he turned on Team WWF. Okay, if you're going to go Team WWF versus Team WCW and you want people to defect, turn Steve heel at Invasion. Maybe have him start to act a little bit weird and clingy to Vince McMahon leading up to it. Although that was some pretty honestly terrible booking although it looked entertaining on TV like it gave us Kurt Angle in a tiny cowboy hat it gave us Steve Austin singing with a guitar uncharacteristic but you know Steve needed to change up his act a little bit because bio one he was getting stale he was getting burnt out he said he needed he needed a character change you know it was what it was uh so why not do something like that here? Uh, if, if, if I could fantasy book... Okay. Well, let's go through this. Do I have to? Yeah, WCW, bought by Vince McMahon. Uh, Shane McMahon kind of takes it from him. He starts drafting people to WCW. I guess they were going to be what, you know, Raw and SmackDown became in 2002. You know... They won one show, they won the other, which was allegedly going to be the plan. Okay, that's cool. Then it just ended up being the NWO again. And people would jump ship like, you know, oh, we have a mole in the Alliance and Test joins WC... Test! Christian! Kurt Angle! Okay, Jericho I get. I mean, if Triple H wasn't injured, I could see him kind of spearheading a babyface or heel side of, of the equation. I honestly don't know. Uh, then we had all this big convoluted mess. Stephanie owns ECW. ECW joins WCW, which for the love of everything, holy no. Then WCW joins in. Here... And on the, it's like, you no, know, ECW joins in, but it's ECW guys from WCW and then Raven and Taz. If I want to bring in ECW, I'll do one of two things. Bring them in as a third separate entity or bring them in later after the brand split and they're like the second or even third brand. Kind of like what ECW became anyways. This was one of the biggest letdowns ever because it became McMahon-a-mania. 
Like, you know, Survivor Series 2001, winner take all. It's one of my favorite pay-per-view events of all time, just because, mostly because of where I was in my life emotionally at this point in time. I mean, I was a senior in high school. I was celebrating a year with my, my girlfriend at the time, although we'd break up not long after that. Uh, I was kind of on a high. I was loving life. And then I was I was liking the invasion when I was 17 because I wasn't a smart like I am now. And now I hate it. And I wish that they did it kind of like, well... Go on my thoughts. Go on What Culture on YouTube. Look up Adam Blompier's two-part series to this. It's probably a grand total of about an hour long, but it's better than anything WWE shit out during this this era. It could have been so much better if money wasn't an option. You could have bought in some Turner contracts, maybe a few. You didn't turn this into a big smorgasbord. But it could have been so much. It could have been so much better. It could have been something amazing. I've rambled on. I'm I'm tired, <laughs> folks. So if you made it this far, uh, please know that this is still a very trying and tough time. Please be patient. Please be kind. You know, thank a nurse, and if you want to, thank a retail worker or a grocer. I am a grocer, but please pass your praise and your thanks and your hero labels labels to the frontline workers because I frankly do not deserve it. I'm just a stock boy or a cashier or a janitor, depends on the day. Uh, so don't be a twat. Don't go and protest this lockdown and say you need to open up the province or the state for the rest of my friends and listeners, be patient. It sucks, but the sooner you do your part, the sooner you can go get your precious haircut and and all that. I want to get a haircut too. I need it bad. I'm going to go to the pharmacy and buy my own pair of clippers tomorrow. And... Uh, yeah, thank goodness this is not a video podcast because the result you will get is probably going to be something ungodly and I will wear a hat for the rest of time. So folks, thank you so much for, for listening, for being a distraction for me, and I hope that I can do the same for you. So tune in next time for episode 11 where I will be covering I don't know what yet. <laughs> You're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, stay tuned for Wrestle Addict Radio and the Game Changer podcast this week. I believe Nate and I are having Slack on. And this past week we had Vincent Cantoni, uh, independent wrestling referee who the Kings of the Rings previously had on. We had a blast telling stories and about what wrestlers he prank called and and all this stuff. So again, I'm saying bye again. God bless you. I love you all so, so much. Take care of yourselves. Hit me up on Twitter anytime at the legendary JF. I love you. Bye.